good to see you this morning. If you have a bulletin, I want to encourage you uh, to get out your notes. Always encourage you to follow along. We welcome those who are joining us by way of stream. And so let me just share, we're uh, getting ready to take a trip, a mission trip to Senegal. Several years ago, our church voted to adopt a people group there, and it was right before COVID. So literally everything shut down, and so we really haven't had to chance to get over there for a couple years, but they are planning on taking a trip this fall, and so I appreciate Kurt and Carol Keller. They're kind of taking care of things, and so we ordered some shirts, and so these are just a couple things. First of all, they help support the mission trip there and help hopefully invest in the people there in Senegal, but they're also a prayer reminder, all right? And so it's always good to remember to pray for the people of Senegal, pray for our team as it prepares to go over there. And so we've got these shirts and they're going to be available if you would like a shirt. And uh, I was going to wear one today. I've actually got it hanging out there by the information center. And I've had people go up and feel it. And they said, boy, that really feels soft. And I thought it'd be better if they felt it when it was out there and not on me. So anyway, I guess that might get a little weird, all right? But anyway, so if you'd like one of these shirts, we're asking for a suggested donation of $20. I think they cost $10, and so the other 10 would be really just helping support the team and going to help provide things for Senegal. If you really don't want a shirt and you just want to give an offering, just mark Senegal on your offering, and we'll make sure that it gets there. We appreciate those who are putting that trip together. So anyway, we, we're excited about that as well. So we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. And over the years, I, I think probably people have said to me, Roger, you, you preach too much about the Holy Spirit. And it, maybe it's possible that I spent, but I'm not sure you can ever overemphasize God. But you know, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I want to be honest, the, the longer I get in life and the further in ministry, the more I'm amazed that God would love us so much that he would be willing to come and take up residence in these earth suits. It really is amazing that God would love us that much. The fact that Jesus came and walked among us, that's pretty crazy. But to think that God loved us so much that he wanted to come and take up residence inside of these earth suits, that really is amazing. And so uh, kind of added a little bit of graphic here in the dead spirit there. I put some dead bones, all right? I probably stay up too late at night thinking about things. Sometimes I wake up in the morning with ideas. People have asked me, when do you finish your sermon? When do you finish your PowerPoint? Usually a little before 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, I say I run out of time. I got to quit making adjustments, all right? So anyway, so a person that doesn't know the Lord, I believe they have a spirit, soul, and body, but I think their spirit, the Bible calls it a dead spirit, not that it doesn't live, but that it's separated from God. And so I put some dead bones in here because an unbeliever really has a dead spirit. They're alive, but they're disconnected with God. And so this is a picture of every unbeliever, and sin has separated them from God. And that was all of our case, by the way. If you're a believer here today, at one time, that was your testimony. But the Bible says that if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. And so the good news is that Jesus died for all of us, for all the world. And so if we ask God to forgive us and to come into our life, I believe he will honor that. And I believe when he comes into our life, he comes into our spirit. And again, if you were to ask probably a hundred people, where does Jesus come when you invite him into your life? 
probably 98% would say he comes into your heart. And we say that, and that's okay to say that, but the word heart there doesn't mean our physical heart, but it's our innermost being, and more accurately, it's our spirit. So the part of you that God comes is in your spirit. And as we've been saying, is it okay to say we're inviting Jesus into our life, or do we invite the Holy Spirit into our life? Yes, same thing. If you have his spirit, you have him, all right? And so technically, he sends his spirit, which is him, all right? And he comes into our life. And the Bible says, when that happens, we are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as we've been talking about, when you accept Christ into your life, your earth suit doesn't become a new creation. Unfortunately, I got up with the same earth suit that I kneeled down to pray to receive Christ. So that part of you doesn't change. Our soul is a work in progress. Parts of your soul change immediately. Sometimes you get some positive thoughts, but your soul, that part of you, your mind, your emotion, your will, your personality, that part of you from the time you get saved, God begins to work on your life. You are a continual work in progress. We call that sanctification. And by the way, you never ever arrive on this side. All right, so if you ever get frustrated at another Christian, how many of you have ever been frustrated at another Christian? You guys are godly people, godly people. But, you know, just remind yourself, they're a work in progress. As long as they're in an earth suit, they're going to have some things they're working on. But part of you has been radically changed. The part of you that had a dead spirit, now all of a sudden, God Almighty has come down to live in your spirit. That part of you has radically changed radically change. You are a new creation in your spirit. And again, the Bible says there's neither male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. We're all one. So in the spirit realm, again, our earth suits, we still have male, we still have female. Our soulish realm, men and women still think differently. I don't understand that, but men are from Mars, women are from Venus, whatever that means, but we do think differently. But there's one place that we are absolutely one, and that's in the spirit realm. I just want to tell you, you could not be any more close to God. You could not be any more connected to God. In the spirit realm, God does not see us as Jew, Gentile, slave, free, male, female. In the spirit realm, you're his child. And you have as much connection with God as I have or anyone else. And it really is exciting to study that. All right, so if we were to take these six people... Got a young preacher down here on the bottom left. He needs help. He's a work in progress. But if you take these six people, or literally from all over the world, and if all six of these people ask Christ into their life, they ask God for forgiveness, they realize that Jesus paid the sin penalty, if they all invite Christ into their life, let me ask you, are their earth suits different? Yeah, the outside's different. The soulish realm, we're going to process things differently. But there's one place that we are 100% equal. And that's in the spirit realm. I want to tell you, even though we live all over the world, I'm just here to tell you, we are connected to God. They're as connected to God as we are. And so if I were to give you a 30,000 foot view of that, it would look something like this. So even though people are all over the world, if they're one with God and we're one with God, in the spirit realm, we really are one. We are connected 100% with God. I mean, wouldn't you love to be up in heaven and just hear the worship on a Sunday morning, hearing it from all over the world? And even though we're in different locations, in the spirit realm, it's all the same. Whew. It would have to, I don't know if angels get goosebumps, but I think they might. 
I think they might. And so I love that verse. Remember when Jesus prayed in John 17 that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Have you ever thought about that? He says, I'm not praying for just these 12 alone, but for everyone who one day will believe in me, this is what he prayed, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they would be one in us. Isn't that crazy that we're included in the Trinity? Whew. That's pretty crazy. It's, the more you get to know me, the more crazy you'll think that is. But he loves us so much. He wants us to be one. And in the spirit realm, I'm just here to tell you, you are as connected and close to God as you can ever be. Your spirit and his spirit are one spirit, all right? And so again, we kind of think about a believer. Part of you is 100% perfect. That part where God lives. Now, regardless of how you see it, I don't think anybody, you know, if you said, well, Christ lives in your life, that part of you, we would have to say, is perfect because God is perfect. I believe it's our spirit, so I think that part of us is 100% perfect. We're 100% in a right-standing relationship with God. So even though we're a work in progress, even though we have our issues, we can go to God 24-7 because in the spirit realm, we are connected with God. And so the soul is in the process of becoming more like Jesus. We call that sanctification. So part of you is perfect. Part of you is long as you live will be a work in progress. Again, that's what we call sanctification. And part of us, the other third of us, our earth suit, our body, it's wearing out. The older I get, the more I realize my earth suit's wearing out. Even though you should take care of it, the Bible says it's the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it does wear out. One day it's going back to dust, all right? And then one day that body's going to be resurrected, and that's going to be exciting, all right? So we're made up of three parts. So we talked about grieving and quenching the Spirit, and just want to kind of review. So we grieve the Spirit as I see it when the Spirit says stop, and we choose to keep going. When the Spirit tells us to be quiet and we go ahead and speak up when we know we shouldn't, I think that grieves the Spirit. I think we quench the Spirit when the Spirit says go, say something, go to someone, when the Spirit's asking us to go and we choose not to. So again, walking in the Spirit is learning to break when He says break, learning to accelerate when He says accelerate. All right, we talked about being spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.18, literally Paul is commanding us to be filled with the Spirit moment by moment. Not a suggestion, but a command. A literal translation would be, be constantly moment by moment being filled and controlled by the Spirit. Kind of sounds like not one minute of one day does God want you to do it in your own strength. Everything we do, we should be filled with the Spirit of God. Why is that true? Because again, we're going to get squeezed in life. How many of you get squeezed every day? My best example is traffic. I mean, people, all the crazy people are around me. They squeeze me. Even though I'm worshiping God, listening to Joy FM, when they cut me off, I get squeezed. And so again, thank God for the Holy Spirit speaking through my wife when she's with me. All right? I hear immediately, you know, relax, they're a work in progress. All right? Anyway, so when we're squeezed, if we're not full of the Spirit, what's going to come out? Flesh. I'm just here to, t I just want to remind you that a Christian on their way to heaven that loves God, if you're not filled with the Spirit, I'm just telling you, Christians can be as mean as the devil. It doesn't mean they're not saved, but if they're not filled with the Spirit and they get squeezed, they're going to say things they shouldn't say. They're going to give you dirty looks. 
They're going to say things, do things they shouldn't do. I just want to tell you, that's why we need to be filled. Because again, the law is whenever you're squeezed, what's on the inside will come out. Always holds true physically and spiritually. So if we're filled with the spirits, the yellow's in the soul there, what happens when we're squeezed in life? Out comes that river of living water. And I tell you what, if you get filled with the spirit enough, Satan will quit squeezing you. Because he's going to know the more he squeezes you, the more life comes out. That's why I think Paul said, remember when he said to the church at Corinth, death is working in us, but it's producing life in you. You remember that? So he's being squeezed. He's being poked, prodded, knocked to the mat. But he says the more that death is working in us, it's producing life in you. And that's how the Spirit is released in our life. We've talked about the power of the Spirit. Again, ask every service, is, how much power does the Holy Spirit have? Every service said he's got unlimited power, the power of God, unlimited. And if that's true, and I believe it is, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, let me ask you, where is all the power of God? It's living inside of you. I, I, when you discover that all the resources of heaven are available to every believer in the person of the Spirit, it really is a wow factor, all right? And so one of the verses that I love to quote when we get plugged into God's power is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That ought to make you feel good. I mean, no matter what you could dream of, he's able to do more. No matter what you could ask for, he can do greater. And it's according to the power that works where? In us. And again, let me say, it's a lot easier to release something you already have than to find something you don't have. Many people are seeking the power of God and don't realize you already have it. And again, it's easier to release something you have. So understanding that really does make a difference, all right? Last week we looked at being sealed with the Holy Spirit, and this is really important. I think one of the things God does when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, because we're a work in progress, we, we kind of have some rough edges. And people have asked me, Pastor, is there a chance I can, I can uh, spoil the Holy Spirit, or I can, I can you know, send the, the Holy Spirit, convert him? Oh, no, you're not going to convert the Holy Spirit. All right, I believe we're sealed, and the Bible says here in Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God promised one day you're going to be sealed until that final day. I want to give you some good news. If you're born again, if you know Christ as your Savior, and you have him living in your life, you're going to make it to the other side. He promises that. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And again, what a beautiful picture in Revelation. Same word when God sealed the 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each tribe. He sent them into all the world to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And they're going to be living in some of the most difficult time ever, hell on earth. And at the end of it, in Revelation 14, guess how many is in heaven standing next to the Lamb? 144,000. Not one was lost. I just want to give you some really good news. You're going to make it to the other side. Now, he may have to drag us. Like the, the footprints, you know, the, the poem footprints, he may have to carry us. But I want to tell you, you're going to make it to the other side if you're a believer. He sealed us with the Holy Spirit. He's given us a promise. He's going to see us through to the other side. What a great promise. Now, last week, I didn't finish. So the flesh, I just want to remind you, your flesh is not going to corrupt the Holy Spirit. Again, 
I think God seals it where our flesh cannot go that way. We're not going to corrupt the Holy Spirit, but I believe if we turn the power on and we ask, the Holy Spirit can come this way. That's how I see it. Really, really important to know that we're not going to corrupt the Holy Spirit, but we can have the Holy Spirit fill our life and come into us. Really, really important. So last week, I didn't finish. I got, you know, sometimes you get to preaching and my sermons I say are like link sausage. You cut them off anywhere. They're good on both ends or they're bad on both ends. Either way you look at it. But so we kind of got right here, I think. So the Bible says, whoever is born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So John says here, you cannot sin. Now, let me tell you, back in chapter one, he said, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. So how is it possible that we can't sin and yet the Bible says we do sin? Well, I believe part of us cannot sin. The part where God lives, that part of you cannot sin. God is not going to be tempted with evil and he doesn't tempt anybody. I just want to give you good news. The Holy Spirit is not going to sin. That part of you is not going to sin. But the other part of us, we do have our issues, all right? So we do have some bad thoughts. We say some things. So the part of us that's a work in progress, that part of us, we do sin, all right? We still, still struggle. But again, if you don't understand body, soul, and spirit, that verse will make no sense at all because you realize we do still sin. And again, part of us does. And the New Living Translation says it this way, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. And so they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. You know, for a believer, you should not habitually sin. You know, if God lives in you, and again, I've had people say to me, Pastor, if I give my heart to Christ and I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit, then I can go out and live like hell and still make it to heaven. Well, technically that's true, but you shouldn't want to. If you want to live like hell, maybe you never got saved. Because if his spirit lives in you, your want to changes. But again, we still have our issues. We're a work in progress, all right? And so Romans 8 says this, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. You say, why is it important to be filled with the spirit? The Bible says that if you're living after the flesh, which is really you're just doing things in your own strength, the Bible says you cannot please God. doesn't say you're not going to make a very good Christian. It says you can't please God. Kind of sounds like the only way you please God is if you're filled with the Spirit and letting the Spirit flow through you. That pleases God. And then he says here in Romans 8, For if you live according to the flesh, and that's just really letting your earth suit control you, you will die. If, but if, you live by, or if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the Spirit of God will help you put to death the deeds of the body. The Spirit inside of you will help you in the process of becoming more like Jesus. But you got to do your part. All right? So again, it's us working with the Holy Spirit. He will help us put to death the deeds of the body. Let me give you a quick example. We used food last week. All right? We don't consider food much of a temptation. You don't hear many preachers uh, preaching about gluttony. But the truth is... Again, gluttony is mentioned right along with uh, murders in the Bible. But, you know, Baptist pre preachers don't preach much about gluttony. You know why? We like food. All right? So we kind of, oh, but again, how many of you have ever eaten enough and the Holy Spirit has told you you've had enough and you take that other plate? Am I alone? Do I have a witness? All right? So again, 
I'm just telling you, when you say no to that third dessert, now, I may be eating with Kurt back there, and God says to Kurt, you can have four desserts, but he tells me I can only have two. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now, I can't, honestly, when I say no to that third dessert, I'm dying to myself. Every time you choose against the flesh, you're going to hurt a little. But if you're following God, it's going to produce life. All right? So here we go. We're in chapter 37 of Ezekiel. Love Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of my favorite prophets. All right? Probably one of the least read books in the Bible. I read this week that rabbis would not let anybody read the book of Ezekiel until they were 30 years old. That got me interested to read it. All right? They don't want anybody young reading it, so I want to read it. But Ezekiel was kind of a, a crazy uh, prophet. I can identify. Ezekiel was really out of the box. He had some really crazy visions. He had some crazy revelations. And he also did some things very visual that were out of the box. If you remember in chapter 4, he's told by God to lay on your side for 300 and something days. I'd have to love you guys a lot to lay on my side for 300 days. But he was wanting to illustrate something to the people. So he was asked to lay on his side. And after he got done with that, God said, flip over to the other side for another 40 days. So those people must be really tough. And then in chapter 5, he tells him, shave his head, shave his beard to illustrate a point. He was very visual. Matter of fact, can I give Ezekiel some props? When he came out of the deportation, he came out with the second of the three deportations into Babylon. He, he literally, his whole ministry was with people who were taken into captivity. His whole ministry was in a foreign land. Can I give him some props? I mean, even though he was in a priestly tribe and he was going to be a priest, most likely, five years before he became a priest, he was taken captive and his whole ministry was to the people who had been taken captive. And they were a tough group. They were grumblers. They were disheartened. They were hopeless. And so he was carried away. That was his whole ministry. And in the book of Ezekiel, there's not one time that I can find in the book of Ezekiel where he has one convert. Can you imagine not having a convert? There's no positive fruit mentioned in the book of Ezekiel. As a matter of fact, most of the people thought he was crazy. It wasn't until after he died that people realized he was the voice of God. Isn't that sad to live your whole life and people think you're crazy and they didn't realize until after you died that you were the voice of God? As a matter of fact, a good verse to write down is Ezekiel 33, I think it's verse 32, where it says the people came to Ezekiel just to get entertained by him. He was so crazy. And there wasn't a movie to go to when you're off into captivity. So he said, hey, let's go watch Ezekiel. That guy is crazy. And the Bible says they came to be entertained. Isn't that sad? They weren't coming to listen. They came to be entertained. So it's Ezekiel that God gives this vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. Because again, it's out of the box. It's kind of one of those crazy visuals. But it reminds us of the power of, of the Spirit of God. All right? So in this, the word ruach here, and somebody told me, Pastor, you spelt that wrong. Now, there are different ways to spell it. All right? In most Hebrew words, there's different ways. This is how... 
Mike and Corden spelled it, all right? So I bow to anybody else. But the word ruach here, it's, it's translated into English as spirit, wind, and breath, all right? And so again, it was talking about the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God, same word, all right? And so where God's spirit is, there's life. This particular word is used 10 times here in Ezekiel 37, 10 times. So you get the idea the spirit of God is a big part of here in Ezekiel 37. All right? And so let's look at the, the passage here. We're just going to kind of go through it. I don't have all the scripture. I think all the scriptures on your notes. But it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out in the spirit, the ruach of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. So here's this prophet who again sees these amazing visions that are really just out there. God takes him out to this valley of dead bones. He says, he cost me to pass all around them and behold there were very many human bones in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. So God wanted to make sure there was no living bones. He walked all through the valley and they were extremely dry, which means they had been dead a long time. And this is really a picture of the people of Israel, by the way, just to tell you up front, they had been dead for a long time. They had been close to the voice of God. You say, why would God even bother with the nation of Israel if they'd been rebellious and close to God? I tell you why God still bothers, because he loves them. I'm just telling you, God is so patient. God is so gracious. And so he's trying to illustrate to Ezekiel his love for the people of Israel. And so they were very dry. He goes on to say, he said, son of man, can these bones live? And of course, the obvious answer is, duh, no. These bones can't live. And in our eyes, it's impossible. But what's impossible with man is possible with God. I'm just here to tell you that God can raise that which is extremely dead back to life through his spirit. All right? So let's go on. So he says to me, prophesy or preach to these bones. How funny is that? How many of you would love to be peeking over the mountain and see this crazy prophet preaching to this valley of dead bones? How many of you have ever been to that church? I've preached to those people before. He said, Pastor, that church is dead. Don't go to that church. It's dead. I'm just here to tell you, God can take a dead church and fill it with life. God can take a dead believer, get him spirit-filled. Man, this is a beautiful illustration of the power of God and the love of God. So he says, prophesy to the bones. Can you imagine Ezekiel out preaching to those bones? He's just preaching to those bones. I would have loved to have been there. And just gave him an amen. Probably would have shook him up, all right, and all his dead bones. So he's preaching. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I make breath enter you that you may come to life. That breath is the ruach, the breath of God, the spirit of God. So what seemed impossible, that the nation of Israel that was dried up and just literally dead before God, God was not done with them. And even though people didn't accept Ezekiel during his life, they would come to realize he was a prophet from God. Sometimes you're not going to get patted on the back on this side. But you still got to be faithful. So it goes on to say, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise. And behold, a rattling and all the bones came together bone to bone. How many think that would be crazy? Whole valley of dead bones. All of a sudden they start moving, clanking. How many of you think of that song, these bones? Oh, anyway, that's, 
That's not in the Bible. But anyway, and I would sing it for you, but it still may not help you remember the song. But anyway, if you know that song, you just kind of gets in your head, all right? So he starts preaching to these bones, and all of a sudden they start coming together, getting tendons on the bones. And man, that had to be a crazy, crazy moment. And then it goes on to say, he said to me, prophesy to the breath, son of man. Say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O Ruach, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So literally, he's asking the spirit of God to come and breathe life into this dead army. And again, in man's terms, that's impossible. But it goes on to say, so I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came in them, and they came to life, and they stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. Anybody say goosebumps? That would be weird. I mean, I mean if I was peeking over a mountain and watching, I would be scared. I'd be, I, I'd be, I'd be having a, a great moment here. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are completely cut off. They had no hope. I'm here to tell you that the God we serve can take someone who is down and out and literally has no hope and breathe life into that person. We serve a God that has hope. Don't ever write somebody off as being so far away from God that they have no hope because our God can take that which is dead and bring it to life. Man, we serve an amazing God. And then it goes on to say, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and make you come up from out of your graves, my people. I will bring you back home to the land of Israel. We saw that fulfilled in 1948 when Israel became a nation. Even though they didn't understand it at the time, Ezekiel looked like a crazy guy. God is faithful. I want to tell you, in the long run, you say, why would God even mess with the children of Israel? They were so rebellious. I tell you why, because he loves them. And I know we're part of spiritual Israel. I understand that, but I still think God has a place for physical Israel. I think his promise he made to Abraham is still going to hold true. That's why, by the way, in Ezekiel's day, they could not believe they were getting taken out of the land because they were depending that they, because they had the temple, God would always be with them. But when you harden your heart against God, God has a season where he takes you out of that. But again, it's ultimately for their good, all right? And so here's our, our last scripture here. So then you will know with confidence that I am the Lord. I have opened your graves and made you come up out of your graves. And here's the, the primary lesson here, Ezekiel 37. I will put my spirit, my ruach in you, and you shall come to life. You say, what is the potential of the spirit of God? It's taking that which is dead as dead could be and speaking life and breathing life. I'm here to tell you the spirit of God that lives in you can produce life in the deadest of situations. All right? So again, we go back to this situation. A lost person has dead bones. You say, how many of you have ever seen someone or known somebody that you kind of have written off as being, they are so evil, so bad, they could never be saved? I had a person come into our church several years ago, and, and he was kind of a notorious bad person. I didn't know that. It wouldn't have made a difference, but I'd give him a hug. Every time he came up, I gave him a hug. Somebody said to me, I cannot believe you let him come to your church. I said, isn't that where you want somebody that's lost? Can I tell you, the church isn't a museum for the saints. It's a hospital for the hurting. I've seen God take people who had been written off by the world and gloriously saved them. 
And so God can take that which is dead in a lost person. By the way, all of us have a dead spirit until God comes in. And when he comes into our life, man, that river of life can fill us. I'm here to tell you the God we serve can take that which we write off and he can come and fill that person and change them forever. And then there's a church. How many of you have ever been to a dead church? I hope, I hope you don't say this one. I've been in dead churches. I've, I've been in churches where they say, man, going to that church is like going to a funeral home. Matter of fact, funeral homes have more life than some churches. But how many of you know that God can take a dead church, and I can give you an example in, our, in Franklin County of a church that basically was on life support. They were ready to die. And God began to breathe into that church life. I'm here to tell you, God can take a dead church and breathe in life. It's not about who's in the pulpit. It's not about the music. It's about the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that breathes life. And we don't need better preaching. Well, we need better preaching. But, you know, the word, what we need is the river flowing. I mean, when the river flowing, life is happening. And then there's some homes. You know, it's amazing. You can take two Christians and yet their home be pretty dead. I've shared years ago, one of the first revivals I ever got a chance to do, I was in Kansas, and a lady came to me. This couple was active in everything in the church. They were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were on the head of all the committees. But she came to me after one of the services and says, would you pray for us? Our home is dead. And I was shocked. She said, when we go home, my husband and I never eat together. We eat in separate rooms. She said, literally, we have no relationship." And I'm just telling you, it's possible. And even the home that says, has a sign out in the front yard said, we love Jesus. It can be dead. But does a, does a dead home have hope? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's a dead home need? They need the Spirit of God flowing. And I tell you what, you get a husband filled with the Spirit and a wife filled with the Spirit, that home's going to come to life. So no matter how bleak it is, no matter how dry it is, how dead it is, I'm just here to tell you, the Spirit of God can bring life. And then there's preachers. How many of you know preachers can be dead or dry? How many of you ever seen, heard, heard a dry preacher? Maybe today. But can I tell you, if I'm being really honest, and this would probably come a shock, there, there have been times, seasons in my life that I just got burnt out. And I'm being honest, the only reason I came to church is I had to get up and preach. You say, that's terrible. That's true. I'm just telling you, you know, Elijah got so burnt out, he asked God to take his life. It's possible as a Christian that loves Jesus for you to get so burnt out that you just give up hope. But I'm telling you today that God can take a burnout preacher. And I remember a guy uh, coming to our church and he had been very, very successful. He had fallen off the wagon and literally he went back to the bars. I mean, he was getting drunk. He was doing some unbelievable stuff. And I sat in his living room as he just told me everything he was doing. And I sat there and I just wept. And I said to him, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God's not done with you. And this day, this day has one of the fastest growing churches in Missouri. 
I'm just here to tell you the God we serve can take that which is dead and bring it to life. Never give up on the spirit of God and the life of God. And so, thankfully, God can still use dry, dead preachers and give them a little bit of life through the Spirit. The last slide is a verse we've used in John chapter 7 when Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He who believes in me. I want to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? He said, He who believes in me, out of their innermost being, or out of their heart, out of their spirit, is going to flow rivers of living water. I got some great news. You guys have the river of life living in you. And wouldn't it be crazy if we could go out this week and just allow that river to come out of our life and everybody we contact, we would just be ministering life. You have the life of God living inside of you. You have that river if we would let it flow. Let's pray. Maybe there's someone here today that honestly is not sure that if you were to die today that you would be welcomed into, into heaven. Maybe you're not 100% sure that you've ever trusted Christ as your Savior. I can't imagine anybody walking out of here and just doing the best they can. I think it's God's will for all of us to accept Christ and if you're here today and you just feel a tug in your heart, a void in your heart, I just want you right where you are just to acknowledge that your sin has separated you from God. Ask God to forgive you and to realize Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And I believe if you'll ask for forgiveness and ask him to come into your life, I believe he will honor that. Right where you are can be the greatest moment of your life when you begin by inviting Christ into your life. I wonder if we were to be transparent here as believers, how many of us are just a little burnout or maybe very burnout? Maybe we find ourselves just kind of struggling in the Christian life and we keep trying harder, we keep doing more, but in honesty, we just keep pushing ourselves. I wonder what would happen if everyone who is here, everyone who's watching by way of stream, I wonder what would happen if we could just Ask God to fill us with his spirit. Not because we deserve it. Not because we have it all together. But Jesus said, he who believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What would happen if we would just allow God to fill us today? I wonder how many people we could encourage and just bring life to this week. Let's stand together quietly. We just have a moment of invitation. If you prayed that prayer today and invited Christ into your life, I just want to encourage you to turn to somebody and just tell them I prayed that prayer. Or you can slip out and come, tell me I prayed that prayer. Maybe you need to get baptized, as Zach did today. We appreciate this guy. If you've never been baptized, I think it's the first step of obedience. Or maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. Or if you're visiting and this is where the Lord is leading you to officially plug in, become a member. Let's just take a minute. If God is speaking to you, just slip out right where you are. If not, just right where you are. Would you just build an altar? Would you just ask God to fill your vessel?
waiting. Thank you so much. Appreciate Joe up there. I hope the Holy Spirit never becomes routine. I think the more I get to know God, the more I'm amazed that he would come and live inside of me. You say, why does he do it? Because he loves you. He loves you so much. We have one decision we want to share, Steve and Nancy. They've been coming for a while here, and I had the privilege of visiting with them in their home, and they feel the Lord is leading them to officially get plugged in here. And so if you rejoice in that decision, how about a praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Oh, amen. You can clap. So I didn't ask you guys ahead of time. I don't know if there's anything you want to say or not, but I will give you that opportunity. Well, is Jerry Kraft here? Oh, uh, I think I'll change my mind. <laughs> Wise move. <laughs> That's it. We're just so happy to be here. This church seems so loving and welcoming, and uh, we're just looking forward to serving the Lord here. All right. So if you guys don't mind, if you want to join us in the back there and then give everybody a chance to officially greet you. Love you guys, and I can think of no better way to go out today than by singing, I've got a river of life. If you ever feel like getting crazy, this is the time. All right, this is the time. And so everybody has to participate. Let's go out strong and let's go out believing that we really do have a river of life flowing out of us and it is able to change lives. So we're gonna close with this chorus. I've got a river of life flowing out.